If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. I'ma try again, ayy, picking up my pen, yeah, digging deep within, uh, writer's block again, but I'm back now, stay true to the Christ with a new sound, used to be lost but I've been found, and it's only by his grace I'm alive now, I'm alive now, raise me from the grave, yeah, I'ma see his face, already beat the case, and now my soul awaits, the return of the king, he is great, I'ma sing, only pure Nazarene, he is Lord, so he reigns. He is Lord, so we reigns. Hey guys, just uh, getting some people into the room. We're going to start here in just a minute or two. He is Lord, 
so we ring. Open up the word, get with it. The eternal God, he is infinite. He put on some flesh and then lived in it. The hypostatic union, we get it. Christology, my apology, but no apology. Let's get with it. Well, then the prodigy, buddy, calm the seas. He quiet storms, yes, he did it. Uh, he's preeminent. Taught fishermen to fish from men. Turn grimy dudes to different men. It's by his life we live for him. And through his life we get to him. Validated by lifting him. And he would do the same for everyone to whom he was sent. Blazing it, fanning the flame. It's no taking hey, guys. it. Hey, guys. Just wait a minute or two, get some people in here. Good to see you guys. If you'd like to come up and speak, uh, feel free to raise your hand. We'll let you up on stage too. Jason, good to see you, sir. Paul said it's anathema, even if an angel came with it. Paul said it's anathema, even if an angel came with it. I don't know if I have another flow. Wait, hold up, okay, here we go. I guess I'm going in Geronimo. It is Yeshua, you gotta know when he's with me everywhere I go, but they don't Hey guys, what's going on? I heard <laughs> what's that? Uh more more I heard more reformed words in that uh <laughs> little clip there from E C yeah, and, uh, most people that I know that Sh- are reformed. Shylin's another good one too. <laughs> Shylin will yeah. uh, out debate you with Shailin, rap. Yeah, Shylin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. I love it, man. Jason, good to see you, brother. So I guess we'll get started here. I know some. I had a few people say they can jump on around nine fifteen. We usually keep these two uh, from nine to ten, but we just kind of feel out the room. If we go a little shorter, that's fine. If we go a little longer, that's fine too. Uh, just so everyone knows, this is a recorded room, and we do post these on the Dead Men Walking podcast every Thursday. So just be aware of that. Uh, I'm your host, Greg. This is Jason. He's also host in this room, and we're both hosts of Dead Men Walking podcast. What What's going on, Jake? Not much, man. So the, so the flow of this room is very conversational. If you guys want to contribute, if you're new, I see Mike is down there. Mike, how you doing, brother? Josh, uh, he's newer as well to Clubhouse. If you want to say something or contribute, uh, just in the lower left-hand corner, you see a little uh, hand. Just push that. We'll bring you up on stage. Just make sure your mic is muted. Uh, two icons over from that hand is like a little microphone icon. You press that. It puts a red slash through it. That lets you know that you're muted. Uh, but we like everyone. To Harrison's really... a repeat offender, man. Yeah, Harrison's, Harrison's been in here been before. been here a few times, man. Harrison, feel free to... Come, up. Uh, Come on up, Harrison, if you want to talk at all, man. <laughs> But you you might need to bring the uh, the subject for the evening. Mm, so, yeah, before we what's going on, boys? Hey, what's yeah, up? There we go. <laughs> yeah, so we were kind of floating around a couple subjects, and we wanted to see what the room thought about it. Uh, the the first one was something we mentioned on our last podcast w- that we just recorded on Sunday with uh, Darren Doan from the uh, Doan Creative Agency, which will be released uh, tomorrow on Wednesday for our regular weekly episode. And we were just talking about Christian tags. And if that bothers anyone, when you separate yourself out and you say, you know, especially in art, uh, you know, Christian rock music, Christian artist, he's a Christian painter, he's a Christian business owner. Um, That gets under my skin a little bit when we start separating out like that. I feel like sometimes just because sometimes it's used uh, for nefarious reasons, you know, like, Hey, I'm a Christian business. You're a Christian business. We should do business together just for that reason alone. And sometimes that Christian business owner might not be up to snuff or par or whatever, but that's just my personal feelings. I, I kind of wanted to cover that in the room tonight. See if we had any feelings on that. If that goes nowhere, um, <clears throat> I know we kind of want to talk about the James Coates situation as well. And the witness that he is bearing up in Alberta, Canada, 
Uh, obviously, he was jailed for, I think, almost a month and a half for preaching the word. He, he, uh, because his church was gathering, they threw him in jail, did, did not allow him to post bond or have a, a speedy trial. Then they did get him out on uh, bail, but now they've basically put up uh, you know, uh, fences and shut down the church. And him and his wife just said, look at it, it's not about the building. We'll just find another place to worship the Lord and preach the gospel. Uh, so up in Canada, that brother in the Lord is having a rough time right now to where all they're doing is opening their church. And like most of us here in America, I say most, there's a few states that are a little more strict. Most of us uh, experience uh, the freedom to be able to worship even during COVID. And Canada is really cracking down on ministers up there. So we wanted to maybe touch on that a little bit. But as the as, as this room goes, uh, you know, last week when we were on here, we started with one subject and went through three or four. So it's really just a conversation between brothers and sisters in the Lord <clears throat> talking about things. Uh, we can get into culture things, uh, political things, controversial things if, if we want. But uh, that's kind of the two ideas I had. Jason, did you have anything else? No, that's great. That's great. So do you want to tackle one of those first or do you want me to, because uh, I kind of gave a... I kind of gave a gave it away where I stand on both of those. Yeah, but. you gave the, the scope. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think I think whenever. Um, uh, well, let me let me give a little bit of my background. I don't know, just a little touch. Um, I was in a Christian band. A little scotch. And uh, yeah, yeah. So we we started touring and traveling, and for a couple of years, and uh, decided that um, we wanted to uh, start making music that was more inclusive than exclusive, um, I guess, is the way we were putting it at the time in our apostasy. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we, uh, we started touring and traveling um, as a, uh, we, would, we were labeled by certain people a secular group at, instead of a Christian group. Okay. Um, and we we're just like, well, we're just playing music, you know, like we're just, you know, like writing music. We're all Christian brothers and we're, you know, writing music and writing lyrics that, you know, glorify God, but maybe we're just not saying it as much as someone may want to hear it on the Christian radio station. Right. Right. So I think it, it got to a point though, where, you know, the, um, where our uh, our sin infiltrated the band and uh, pretty much blew it up, I would say, um, in the wrong kind of way. Um, and you know, we we took our eyes off of Christ. Um, so, so I don't I don't know if I'm on the fence as, uh, to say that, like you know, if you say, "Hey, I'm a Christian artist. I'm a Christian painter. I'm a Christian movie maker." Um, if that's a, if that's such a bad, um, thing. Um, and I know we can get into the, the different rabbit holes and whatnot, but, yeah. um, I, f- I felt like once we got into the world, we were targeted, you know, we were targeted and we didn't have the mentorship to hold us accountable. We weren't a part of a local, um, church back at home, wherever we were stationed at at the time, we're pretty much living out of our van in a lot of, uh, in a lot of those years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's some of the, 
yeah, some of that conversation we can start right there. Yeah. So the reason why, uh, let me jump in here and then Harrison, if you want to jump into, you're more than welcome to. Um, what bothers me about it is it's really revolves around this quote that I read about 20 years ago by General William Booth. And I'm just going to read the quote. It says, secular music, do you say belongs to the devil? Does it? Well, if it did, I would plunder him for it, for he has no right to a single note of the whole seven. Every note, every strain, every harmony is divine and belongs to us. And when I read that, uh, it really kind of solidified something in my mind of every time I heard Christian attached to something else within the creative world, it usually had a connotation of um, separate, but equal almost like, uh, and not, not even equal. Most of the time, usually it had a connotation of like, uh, you know, lower quality, not as good. And I just look at that and Jason as a optimistic post-millennial there, dude, you should be like, yeah, we should be taking back the arts for the Lord. You know what I mean? I don't like the fact that we have to put a Christian in front of a uh, a music group. I mean, we own the arts. God created that for us to enjoy. And it really bothers me when we separate ourselves out. It's almost like we're giving into the secular culture when we go, oh, well, this is our Christian pop, Christian rock, Christian painters, you know, Christian sculptors. It's like, no, dude, like God created the arts for us to enjoy and to glorify him and, you know, enjoy him forever as the, you know, the very first rule of the Westminster Confession says, confession says, excuse me. So it bothers me a little bit that we separate ourselves. It's almost like we give up to the secular culture and go, well, you guys have your art. We have our art. And it's like, well, no, all art belongs to us. Art is here in this fallen world to be redeemed by Christians. Does that make sense or am I, do I sound crazy? No, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I think, uh, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. Right, right, right. I I think that there's, there's just, you know, it's, it, it gets so, um, I mean, it's defining the terms, right? Like that's what our culture wants to do now. We have to define the terms. Every time you say something, you know, it's like, why do I have to tell you, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) Like, why, why do I have to spell it out for you? You know, like did Beethoven did, you know, uh, bring up many artists. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's like, it's like, where, you know, where do we, um, draw the line where it's like, guess what? Yeah. Like I am a Christian and yeah, I do make this for the glory of glory of the Lord. You know, right. um, I saw Josh come up. He, he might want to add, had to say something. Yeah. Josh, uh, plays a little music. He's a musician. Josh, how you doing brother? Yeah. Good guys. How are you? Uh, yeah, I just want to say, you know, when you teased out the subject a little bit, I, I thought music was for the glory of God. I mean, it always was. The first secular music was really that was written in Latin was, uh, you know, in the Middle Ages, uh, the Renaissance. And, you know, those those songs were almost kind of parody in a way. If you look at the lyrics, they were always kind of funny, kind of tongue in cheek, kind of uh, people breaking away from the, the sacred music. Uh, before that, it was all sacred music. I mean, Christians own music. I mean, yeah. I don't know. That's the way I see it. No, absolutely. That's why I said it bothers me a little yeah, bit when we, when, yeah. We, yeah, when we label it that way, because it's almost like we're giving up ground to the arts, when in fact, I firmly believe the arts belong to us. I also have some weird thoughts about, you know, uh, I, I grew up in a more legalistic church in the sense of music to where certain music was deemed, uh, you know, devilish or if it had too harsh of a beat. And I just don't see it that way. I, I see, you know, we, we played a, a, a reformed rap song by EC Holmes. Uh, Vision is his rap name. And I rather enjoy. Fire. 
Yeah, I rather enjoy that music, and it's ministering to my soul both in in the musical content of how he created it, and obviously the words are glorifying to God as well, too. I think the words are important, and we talked about that, geez, last summer with Rick Flood, who's a local worship leader, a little bit on the podcast about the the, the lyrics being kind of important when it comes to differentiating between a secular song and a song that glorifies the Lord. Um, sometimes I feel, too, that Christians, and especially Reformed Christians, can get into uh, music can only be used in a church service or for worship. Well, there's also praise, and praise is much different than worship. And praise is a little bit more rowdy. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, when the Israelites were walking into battle and they put the praise and worshipers out front, um, you know, they, they weren't singing, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't a bedtime tune. It was a, it was a warrior chant and there was drums and it was rowdy and people were jumping around and, you know, praising the Lord and things like that. So I think there's even a place for that. As long as it's bringing gl- glory to the Lord, just about any type of music, I believe, can can glorify him in one way or another. But sometimes that's a yeah. It's funny. It's funny you bring up Rick. It's funny you bring up Rick because uh, I I met with him because I was going to start playing guitar for the church. And uh, a question I asked him, I said, "So honestly, man, how many um, songs are we going to do that is all about like Jesus is my boyfriend type songs?" And he, he was just like, I have never been asked that question before. (laughs) And I was just trying to explain to him. I was just like, man, whenever I do praise and worship, like I want to sing lyrics that are completely about God. Like, I don't want to be like, you know, uh, all about me, all about, you know, my breakthrough, all about, you know, what, what I can, you know, get or whatever. I, I would rather like glorify God you know, in, in praise. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say something here that probably sounds a little divisive, maybe a little condescending, but I don't mean it that way. So just hear me out when you're constantly singing, (laughs) Jason's like, Oh boy, here we go. When, when we're, when, when we're, I got you, when we're constantly singing songs about my breakthrough, Okay. I'm going to see, you know, I have victory and breakthrough and, and he's going to get me on to the next day and, and all these allegorical type things. I mean, that type of, oh, we got uh, Stephen kind of, that type of lyric really keeps you in a spiritually immature place. That's the very first yeah. thing you should learn about God is, is that there's victory over sin. That is like Christianity 101 from even a theological standpoint. Okay. Now I'm not judging people who are in that position and they're in their, uh, and they're being ministered to by a song like that. I'm saying when that is 90% of your worship music in a church and it goes no farther than I need to see a victory or some kind of physical blessing or some type of mental healing or, or emotional health or something like that, that keeps you in a very immature state in your sanctification. We need to go deeper into worship, deeper theologically, deeper doctrinally, deeper into the presence of the Lord to where, yeah, we should know within the first year of our walk with Christ, and I'm not putting an exact time frame on it, but I would say within the first year, you should understand that he has beaten the power of death, that uh, he has given us spiritual victory, he has imputed his righteousness to us, and then rest in that sovereignty. That that really is 101. And when we just yeah. keep, you know, kind of, uh, you know, singing the milk 
of worship songs, we never really get to the to the meat of it. And you know, for me, it's it's the lyrics, man. Like I know you and I, uh, Jason, we had this conversation offline just a few days ago. I said yeah. it re- the, the song. Um, I think it's called Victory. Like I'm gonna see yeah, victory, yeah. right? And, and yeah, one of the yeah. lyrics is what the enemy meant for evil. You. Uh, you uh, turned it for good, good. right? That's the lyric. And it bothers me because obviously that's based on uh, when Joseph is talking to his brothers, right? In Genesis 50, I think it is. And it literally does not say that. Uh, It almost, that lyric makes it sound like God is reactionary to the devil's plans, which is so anti-biblical. It's insane. He didn't, the devil didn't do something for evil and God turned it in and meant it for good. It literally says what you meant for evil, meaning you brothers in your depravity, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So while, while you, he, he was using your evil hearts for good, he allowed you to do that evil because he actually meant it for good. So it was really a, you know, it, it's a paradigm shift and it's a perspective of what, what was good and what was evil there. Because he's saying, no, your hearts were evil. You meant it for evil. God over here meant it for good. So you carried out the goodness of God through your evil plans. And I think that's much more powerful than singing a worship song that says what the, what the devil or what the enemy meant for evil. Oh, well, God meant it for good. He kind of used it. He reacted to Satan doing something bad and figured a way, figured a way out to, to uh, make it all work out. And I think it's a really reduced idea of who God is when we are singing those types of lyrics. Now, many people, and maybe even some people listening go, well, you're just nitpicking. We like, we kind of know what that means. And, and, I, and I just say, look, if I'm going to worship and I'm going to sing lyrics in words, I want them to be biblically and theologically solid and sound and expressing the, the Bible back to God. Does that make sense? Like ex- expressing biblical uh, totally. truth back to God. Well, I mean, it, it comes back to, you know, what a, what a worship service really is and what it's about. You know, it's not about the, the Coldplay concert, you know, it's not about the mm-hmm. machine, the lights, the stage that looks more like a, a concert than a, an actual um, pulpit. You know, it's like, we're, we're, I don't know, representing ourselves as, uh, well, not all of us. I mean, certain mega churches are representing themselves as like, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're a lot of fun and we're just like you, but, uh, you know, we got our ticket, it's stamped and we're headed to heaven. And, you know, and it's like, it's like, there's so many misconceptions about what Christianity really is, you know? Um, uh, but you know, I, yeah. I don't. I just saw Stephen come up. Stephen, you got anything to say, man? Stephen's a repeat offender. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, right. <laughs> I like uh, everything you guys are saying. Thank you. Um, my, uh, I think this quote has been said uh, by several people at different times, but I first heard it from our uh, music leader at my church, and I think it's great. It's something to the effect of uh, good worship music should um, prepare God's people to die well. Like its first priority is not to give us an emotional high or something like that. Although the music should resonate with our soul, absolutely, and yeah. and and do and do that kind of stuff. But um, it's uh, yeah, lyrically based, accurate. It has to be, and um, you know, I sort of like that whole that statement that teaches us to die 
uh, prepares us to die well. Re- repeat um, that quote one more know. time. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Good worship, mu- good worship music will prepare the believer to die well. Wow, that's powerful. Well, yeah. I so, like so what what kind of stuff do you guys sing at your church, Stephen? We sing uh, a mixture of stuff. We do a lot of hymns as well as um, some more new, modernly written music. A lot of Sovereign Grace music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, uh, City of Light, which is I call I would kind of call them like the good version of Hillsong. Yeah. Uh, they're based out of Australia. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Yeah, no. they're great. Yeah, they're really good. I'll have to get on that. I like them. Yeah. yeah, Mike and Luther, welcome to the room as well. If you guys want to contribute, just raise the hand. It's a little hand icon down there in the left-hand corner. We'll bring you up on stage and feel free to uh, contribute. Just so everyone knows who's in the room, we'll reset it really quick. Uh, this is a recorded room. It does get uploaded to the Dead Men Walking podcast, which Jason and I are hosts of comes out every thursday it's extremely popular on our feed actually uh we've been getting uh more listens on some of those clubhouse episodes than uh our regular guests it's because of steven i think it's steven um you know i think it's steven they said what yeah. I'll all the credit sure. they said what <laughs> i don't even know what i did but th- I there's a christian <laughs> left in california we got to listen to this i'm kidding i'm kidding right. <laughs> no, but yeah you want to jump over to uh James Coat. Yeah, just uh, just maybe uh, the room's thoughts on that or unless too. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. If anybody else. Has or or if Harrison wanted to that. jump in on uh, the subject yeah, we we're just yeah. talking about, if he had anything, I know Josh is still there. He contributed a little bit. Um, yeah. And Josh is going uh, to uh, fight, laugh, feast with us in South Dakota at the end of this month. Two weeks. Stoked. That's gonna be fun. We can have a good time. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to upload a lot of good content for you guys, too. We got all kinds of interviews coming up that whole three days. Uh, Last time, I think we got about 15 episodes out of the three days. So I'm sure, uh, you know, for any of you guys that want to jump on Dead Men Walking podcast, anywhere you get your pods, you'll be hearing that in the first week of May. But James Coates. Hit us up, Harrison. Harrison, he's a... Okay, he's, he's ready a, to go. Yeah, he's go. Tell us what, <laughs> what you got, Harrison? Um, well, yeah, I've been I've been thinking about the sort of uh, it, it's almost like we're talking about mainstream music versus like real honest, good like worship, heart to heart worship music. That's what it sounds like um, from a bird's eye view. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and and I do feel like one of the uh, one of the things of, of worship music I've been thinking about a lot is like a lot of the mainstream music does have that sort of you know, redemptive quality, you know, the victory song you, you mentioned, but like, I feel like so many different, um, there's so many good hymns that just are kind of falling by the wayside that mm. go into some of the deeper, darker, you know, emotive side, like, because you, you, you did, get, I, did I say something right? You get the air horn yeah. for that one. Sure. Yes, um, I'm a so like, guy. So like, I'm an RUF guy. So Global okay. Grace all day. Um, I, I, oh, work yeah, I work for RUF. I work. I work for RUF now. But anyway, um, like I think of songs like "I Ask the Lord" or um, "Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery," and it's like there's this emotive quality that you don't get in mainstream. You know, you're you're like your Joel Osteen mainstream music. Um, so yeah, I definitely think y'all are hitting the nail on the head there. No, I mean you had yeah, a good we, point we too with the a, hymns. Uh, Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, we well, we did a couple different shows, didn't we, Greg, on uh, lyrics like It Is Well With My Soul. I mean, if you listen to that tune and you read the lyrics, you're going to instantly weep. Yes. <laughs> <Because> yes. <laughs> I, mean, I was uh, <laughs> so like so on Wednesdays, I play a song like I'll, so our worship practice ends as the uh, 
is like our youth group is finishing up. And so like, I'll walk over and play a song for the youth group as they're finishing up. And so like this week I'm doing how deep the father's love for us. Mm. And just that last verse, Holy goodness. Like, you know, how, like, why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer for this. I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Like that's deep. Yeah. That's not just saying, that's not just saying like, Jesus is good. That's like kind of some introspection, you know, why should I gain from this reward? That's like, that's special. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, man. Oh, go ahead, Jay. In my sorrows, in my shame, I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Look, I don't want to sit here and rag on, uh, you know, contemporary Christian worship either. There, there is a place for that. Uh, Greg, am I losing you, Greg? Are no. you still loud? Is, can anybody hear Greg? Can you hear me? I, I hear Greg. Fine. Okay. All right. Maybe it's my, maybe it's my, my headphones. It's Great. All, it's all you, Jason. Now I get to buy some. Okay. Sorry, Greg. Go ahead. I'm no, I was just saying, I, I don't want to sit here and make this a, like, let's dog on, you know, Christian contemporary worship. Uh, but you know, just like Harrison just said, there, there's some there, there's the quality of the hymns too, in what it's saying and how it speaks to the spirit is just totally different than um, you know, good good father. No offense, uh, you know, if if I'm just repeating good good father, you, know, you know, good good father, fifteen times, yeah, yeah, I know he's good. God is good. That is, I, sh- I sh- like I said earlier in the show, I should know that on day one of my regeneration and me being saved. And I'm not saying we never sing that song, but if you stay in that place, it's almost like you spiritually retard uh, your growth. And I'm using that in the classical sense of the word. Okay. So if there's any cancel culture people in here, I'm a a musician. All right. I was using the word retard in third grade. It means to slow down. All right. Uh (laughs) I think, yeah, I think there is a place for songs like that, but like you said, it's not the, uh, I mean, it's not the, it's not the meat that we should be consuming and learning about. I think uh, Harrison mentioned the song. I asked the Lord that I might grow and that's sort of like, that's another one of those that just hits you. I don't know if, uh, more of you guys are familiar with that one, but the basic, it's pretty long. It's, I think, six or seven verses. And it's a narrative about how um, you're asking God to um, grace and, and seek more in his space. I'm trying to come remember the lyrics here, but it basically goes how God basically wrecked you and turned you almost into dust and pursued you to death. And also that um, he might break your schemes of earthly joy that we might find are all in him. Yeah. And it's like, man, those are the kind of songs that, you know, that we need to be singing. Yeah. That's awesome. Last year with our kids, we went through and uh, every week I would teach them a new uh, Fanny Crosby hymn. And then they would sing it. And then I would play it on the piano. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I forgot some of the stuff that, that she wrote. And, uh, you know, even the fact that when you look at the lives of some of these people that would write that, and I, I, re- I remember reading a story about Fanny and they said, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if the Lord healed you of your blindness? Cause she was blind. And she said, why in the world would I want to do that? The very first thing I'm ever going to see is my savior when I reach eternity. And you're just like, dude, <laughs> Like, I, I wish we had yeah, more of that kind awesome. of like attitude in, in, in the Western Christian now. church. Right. You know, she's like, she's like, absolutely not. Do not pray for my healing. I want the first thing I see is my, my savior. And, uh, you know, we can talk about some of her stuff too. If we, if we agree theologically with some of it, but it's like, 
you know, rescue the perishing. Like you're st- if you, if you're singing that hymn in church, rescue the perishing, you know, go after the brokenhearted, like give up everything for them. That can really change your paradigm shift of like when you get out of church that day of like, you know, how important it is to, you know, watch that football game at 1:30. You know what I mean? So it's like what Harrison and what Stephen are both saying is so true that it, it, we need to bring back the the deep, powerful theological uh, uh, meaning of what it is to praise and worship through the lyrics. I believe um, because I, yeah. I I'm actually much more lenient on the the actual tune and song. I could care less if 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 it's done to glorify God and you want to give me a little guitar solo or you know something like that. I'm very lenient on that. I'm like I praise the Lord on my piano and drums all the time. And it sounds like a drum solo and it sounds like Jerry Lee Lewis, but it's like, I'm doing it onto the glory of God because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glorying and enjoying the arts that he's blessed me with. So I'm a little more lenient on that. Some people aren't, uh, you know, depending on where you land on, on worship, regulative and nominative and all that. But, um, I don't know. What what were you going to say, Stephen? I think, no, you're exactly right. I think in terms of the music style and things like that, um, it should facilitate uh, the worship of the people who are participating. So, you know, the, the best, I guess, kind of music uh, and the most effective kind of music that we put our words to could look very different here in America or, you know, here in California than it will in, um, you know, Mali or, you know, or yeah. uh, India or somewhere like that. No, absolutely. That reminds me, that reminds me of, uh, you know, instead of, I'm going to see a victory. How about I'm going to be the victory? You know, uh, the 144th Psalm says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who's trained my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. Mm. I mean, that's being the victory. Man, you're getting me excited, Josh. Heck yeah. And I just, <laughs> I, I saw Luther come up on stage there. Luther, did you have something to add to that? Um, go ahead and unmute and uh, give us what you got, brother. Hey guys, just your friendly classical Armenian coming through. Oh, there he is. <laughs> He's back. I, He's up, back. <laughs> good, good, man. Good, good. I actually, uh... <laughs> well, I got sound drops over here, baby. I got sound drops for you. That was amazing. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I was kind of just listening in, and um, my wife wanted to chime in. And interestingly enough, she's actually a, a Calvinist. So, um, you know, oh wow, to- <laughs> that's worse than a Michigan Ohio and State family, man. <laughs> So she, a lot of times she's on the praise, praise and worship teams and stuff sometimes too. So she wanted to ask some questions or something. I don't know. Hey, everybody. Hey, um, how are I you? Just, <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm welcome. Just, thank you. I'm, I'm going to be real quick. So as someone that's been in like, uh, I guess maybe in a charismatic type church and has sung the, the Hill songs and then has been a part of like a reformed church and the praise team in both sides and has, you know, sung you know, the come behold the wondrous mystery and all, and all those, and all that jazz. Um, what I've noticed is kind of like a lack of, I, it's funny that I think, I, I forgot who said it, but they said that such an emotion, you know, come behold the wondrous mystery, da, da, da. Like there is such emotion in that song. But like when I'm singing with the church as part of a reformed church, there's like no emotion coming from the members. Mm. I guess, um, and sometimes I'm just kind of like, those songs are powerful. They mean a lot. 
and um you know that there's like there's such a heavy the words are heavy and 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 and, and they stick they stick with you a little bit longer than you know if you're singing let it rain let it rain like yeah. 50 times open the floodgates have been like 20 times so it's it's different but at the same time it's like there's so much more emotion coming from like these other churches where you know you're singing simple things to god and, and it seems as though it touches them a little bit deeper than when you're standing there in those reformed churches and they're just kind of looking at you in the eye and they're like, <laughs> okay, like, like, can we work it? Like I've been, I've been at a church where the pastor was like, it's okay. You guys can clap. It's like, everyone was uncomfortable yeah. and, um, and they just didn't know how to move and they have such powerful music. So I wanted to hear like your thoughts on that. Anyone else want to say that? we're called the frozen. Let's just say we're called the frozen chosen for a reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, but uh, yeah, ahead, that is that is as yeah. I uh, I actually I would agree with that because like I I play on our worship team and occasionally lead, but most of the time I don't. But uh, I do notice that like from the beginning of the song to the end of the song, it's like no one moved. Um, <laughs> and well, and yeah, I do I do think there like, like there is it, the the worship is only as powerful as people are willing to open their hearts to it. Um, sure. And so I feel like there's a lot Oh, did we lose him? They contemplate the waste that these lyrics have and just the, the, the spirit, like just the scriptural and spiritual, you know, weight behind it. So I think you're onto something there. No, absolutely. And I was just, yeah, yeah. I was just going to add really quick too, is uh, if, if you show no emotion before the throne of God, uh, I think that is on the other side of the pendulum of someone who is uh, barking like a dog and doing backflips in the aisles. I mean, I think everything about God is in balance and in moderation. So I think we get a bad rap as uh, reformed folk too, like emotion is bad. And I have to keep telling people, I don't believe emotion is bad. Emotion was created by God. It's for ours to enjoy. We have to keep it biblical, keep it in check. Uh, make sure we're not ruled by our emotions, Jeremiah says, because it's dece- our heart is deceitful. But at the end of the day, I-, I don't understand people who can sing a song like that, whether it be a hymn uh, or whether it be a hill song, and not have some type of emotional reaction to that, because I believe the Lord gave us our emotions. And I, and I think the Holy Spirit uh, does affect our emotions, right? Paul talks about that all the time. So I look at it more as in balance. And when you say frozen chosen, uh, yeah, I totally understand that, but I don't like that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't, I don't like that kind of, um, you know, that, yeah, that characterization, because I think that's out of balance too. I, I think if, if you're like, you know, if you're singing, it is well with my soul and you understand that story, story with Horatio Spafford in, in it, that doesn't just uh, move you to, to some type of place of humbleness and, and thankfulness and, and all those things. And those are emotions, uh, man, I would say that's out of balance. So, so, you know, I, I, I say moderation is next to godliness and I don't think emotions are a bad thing in worship. I think it needs to be biblical. I don't think it. I don't think it ever should be distracting. Um, you know, if I've got a, a church member, you know, like I said, even in the uh, the example before, and they're doing a solo or they're playing extra loud or they're doing something that takes my attention off of glorifying God. Well, then I would say we need to have a talk about that. 
But um, yeah, to show no emotion, I, I would say I'm not in that camp either. I get very emotional when I worship in my private time and even in corporate worship. And, and I think that's, that's good and that's godly because if we have biblical and godly emotions and, and they're in check, they can lead us into, you know, deeper into the throne with the Lord. And they can also uh, lead us into discernment and glorifying him and all those things that we're supposed to do in, in worship. I have a question for you guys. Hey guys, so, I know. Sorry, Jason, real quick. I just want oh, to you're fine. Say, thanks for having you guys having me on stage. Me and my wife for actually sure. had to slip out because we have oh, to go fine. see our parents for something. Um, but hopefully, I, I might be able to come back, but maybe not. So maybe next Tuesday, I'll, I'll, I'll check you guys out again. Please do, please do. Hey, and in right, Lu- Luther, uh, just remember in yeah. the in the Arminian view. Okay, in the Arminian view, salvation is kind of like this. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love you, Luther. Thanks for coming in, man. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. You're the man. Come back anytime, brother. Later, man. All right, peace. What were you gonna say, Jason? Yeah. So the the question I was the question I was gonna ask the uh, the five that are still in, um, Mike. You can chime in too if you want. Um, Mike, how love me some Mike. How does a yeah man? How does a um, a music minister get the um, I don't know just just get the congregation more involved I guess in worship because you I don't I don't know if you guys have these uh, type of worship services where people will just stand there and just be like you know they're they're just singing a lyric it is well it is well with my soul and it's like they're just kind of like mild in the words. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, how, how do we, you know, and it, and it's not that I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, people being nuts and crazy, but like, how does a music minister make that come out of people a little more, you know, or, or however you want to look at it. Go ahead. That's yeah. Typically the, the music minister isn't the lead pastor. So I think the lead pastors uh, has to uh, foster the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit does the rest of the work. I mean, I I, I come from a, a tradition of United Methodist Church. I mean, we had oh, all the hits, man. We, we, had, <laughs> we had the Martin Luthers. We had the, the Charles Wesleys. All the good hymns, man. But uh, I would sit there week after week while people had their arms crossed and just didn't even try to sing. And I will say that, uh, you know, I, I remember a hymn. Uh, it was an Isaac Watts hymn. Uh, the, the lyrics were, let those who refuse to sing who never knew our God, you know what I mean? And it's like, that that hit me so hard. I mean, even as a teenager, I'm like, why are these people here, you know? Uh, so so I think that I, in, in my, I'm not going to put this out there for everybody, but in my congregation, the church that I left, ultimately, uh, it was, it was, uh, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't present because it wasn't fostered. Mm. I think that's a good point. I mean, I can really only speak yeah, to yeah. Uh, me personally, and I and I think you're right there where there has to be a fostering of that attitude and the, the correct attitude towards what, what it is that we're doing when we come together and corporately worship. Uh, you know, when I, when I, whenever I've led worship, uh, I mean, I can't help, but also preach. And I take a little book out of almost gospel. Uh, when I listen to gospel music, whether theologically I agree with them or not, uh, gospel choirs, they know how to praise the Lord. Okay. Because I'm going to get a song and I'm going to get a preaching and I'm going to get told 
you need to do this because this is what the Lord has done. This is what uh, he has brought us out of. This is what the word says, and there's scripture being quoted. And, and I gravitate towards that type of worship. And when I lead worship, I will. It's like if I see people just standing out there, it is, you know, look, uh, guys, look what the Lord has done for us kind of thing. And that's what I gravitate towards. And I feel like sometimes uh, it's almost the job of the worship minister to lead, to to lead that. Now, that that shows up in many different ways. When we were at Fight, Laugh, Feast, it's so funny. I was standing in church a few weeks ago, and I just had this thought, and I went, the guy leading the the worship band air quote right the 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 worship team uh his mic is louder he starts the songs uh you can hear him over the congregation and it's very uh focused on one person now i'm not saying that derogatorily i'm just saying that's it is what it is when we went to fight laugh feast we had a thousand people standing in a room and literally the worship director would give us the tune on the piano and he would start the first word get us in key on the keyboard no music all voices and I and he would and then he would step back off the mic and then he was just one of the choir of voices corporately worshiping and I remember that experience being uh, just so powerful that I wasn't looking at one person singing over the rest I was experiencing a thousand voices equal in sound level and stature and in wanting to glorify the Lord in unison up you know like incense before the throne. And I just went, wow, that's so powerful when we just take that model and we tweak it a little bit and we go back to almost choir or corporate instead of one guy leading and then everyone else kind of following. And that might not make sense to anyone, but in my mind, I just went, wow, that's what corporate worship really is about. The the leader isn't necessarily the best musician or the loudest microphone. The leader fosters the atmosphere biblically right? Leads us into, and then lets the corporate body worship in unison before the throne. And I I just think that's a powerful dynamic that we've kind of lost with the model that we have now in modern worship. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's more, um, amateur musicians on stage that, um, you know, I mean, back in the day, man, like people knew their instrument. People, People knew how to, people knew, and that's like, oh, you play guitar? Yeah, I mean, I know G, C, and D. Well, get on up here, man. Right. And we need you. And it's like, not that you always have to have that master musician, but there was some serious, you know, like like some people took some time and and learned their instruments, you know, whether it was their, whether it was their uh, guitar or whatever it was. And uh, now it's more or less like an American idol audition every Sunday, you know? And I, I mean, I'm not saying everyone up there is just kind of like, you know, you're, you're, I mean, this is, this is like, yeah, exactly what you were just saying, Greg, like the lead singer has the mic turned way up. You know, you're hearing a guy that can kind of sing, kind of can't, but you know, it, it, I mean, it's like, it, it goes back to, oh, he's got a good heart though. So, you know, he should just yeah. go ahead. I had that conversation with Dan Hasseltine one time, um, lead singer of Jars, and he was just like, you know, man, like, he, he even said, he was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. He just, he was just talking about the arts and like how Christians, you know, don't um, live up to the standard that, uh, well, not, um, maybe I, I shouldn't put the whole umbrella over every Christian, but like, yeah, Jason, maybe you day, shouldn't generalize. 
<laughs> Hello. Hello. Now, like, like uh, I don't know, Michelangelo. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, did I just say a, uh, <laughs> did I just say a, uh, a, nin- a ninja turtle? A ninja turtle there. I didn't mean to, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> but it's just like, there's, there's so many things about the church now, you know, that, that I think we need to get back to, um, more of the, uh, you know, to, to where we're, we're, we're viewing everything as in like, it matters, yeah. you know, it Ab- matters yeah. about your theology. It matters that, that you read your, your, the word It matters, like how that you you're worship, good, no matter what it is. Does that make sense? Or yeah. Am I just like well, no, so far off? It does. Everything we do is an act of worship. You know, a lot of times when you hear people use the term worship or, you know, four or five songs before the sermon on Sunday morning, but um, it's our life and everything we do and whatever you do, it should be, have that in view, especially when it's something like, I think us as church musicians, I think it looks like maybe all four of us on stage here are involved or at least have been with the music in our churches. And uh, like you said, Jason, I mean, I think there's been um, in, I don't know, recent years uh, or in many churches, there's a lack of, of excellence. And um, I think as music leaders in our churches, the best way we can facilitate our congregations to to sing better i mean probably the best thing that could happen starts within their own hearts but we have no control over that but as far as uh the power we do have um yeah i mean taking it seriously viewing it first and foremost as worship to god instead of a performance to these people view it as like we are here to uh help these people worship god um yeah and I mean, I, I guess I want to just jump in with a few like little practical things that I've sort of learned from being involved in music. And I go around and I see I'm actually have the privilege opportunity to see quite a few different churches and visit different ones. Um, you know, I travel like to some of, you know, my family's in Oklahoma. My dad's a pastor of a church there. I've lived a bunch of different places, but uh, a few sort of things that I've learned that help in these ways, like little practical things are that are often overlooked. I feel like uh, the key that you pick the song is a big one. You know, make sure it's something singable. Not everyone's a soprano, uh, especially <laughs> a lot of the guys, you know, do little things that, um, yeah, I mean, just watch your tempo, uh, you know, insert some dynamics in there every once in a while instead of just, you know, I, I don't know. There's like, you don't have to be uh, like, I think you were mentioning Jason, like the best, musician or a rock star you just have to i guess know your congregation learn from them figure out what's gonna uh assist them to sing with their whole heart and do it and i think a lot of people kind of overlook that yeah that's awesome no those are good points josh did you no yeah i was just gonna say that you know back uh at the time of the reformation and before then even uh, general entertainment for the masses was to sit around the dinner table and sing psalms or sing sacred music. Uh, the, the common man could read music because that was the entertainment. We didn't have all these other outlets of entertainment that we have now. Uh, so, so, you know, if the four of us, five of us got together for dinner, after we got done eating, we would just sit around and sing. You know, we'd pass out some sheet music and we'd all just sing. And, and so that's gone by the wayside now. And it's gotten to a point of where, where like you say, Jason, uh, you know, <clears throat> you kind of got to be a specialist, you know, at some point to be, to be a musician. 
Uh, whereas before, it was just a common man's pastime. Uh, and I think that's kind of partially where, where we've gone with, with all that, with, with the, uh, the skill and the know-how. Mm. We just saw Mike come up on stage. Mike, you want to jump yeah. in? Yeah, come on in. Hey, what's up, guys? What's um, up, Mike? <laughs> pretty funny stuff. I can't believe how many topics you guys have come up with within one topic. <laughs> that's what we do baby that's what, that's what we do baby <laughs> seriously seriously um you know i've been i've been listening i did have to step away just for a minute but um the one thing i think that we might be missing uh that ties into all this is uh, one i think the need to have the people in the congregation that do have their hands crossed and aren't singing because i hope my hope is um, that they're they're not followers of Christ yet, or they're just not there, you know. And you know, we need those people in the congregation. We need to be patient with them um, and and encourage them because I think if we ever got to the point where everybody was, let's just say, doing it right or doing it uh, to their best, you know, they would we'd be missing those people, right? Um, and I think the other part too is. I forget who said it, but it's talking about like leading from the front and, and really pushing, like if, if the lead pastor or the worship pastor isn't encouraging people to enter into that worship and kind of let go of those chains, my guess is the average American Christian wouldn't know any better. Like they would just go through the motions and, and, uh, you know, until the Holy Spirit convicts them of that, you know, they, they could go months, weeks, years you know, without uh, maybe entering into that, you know, that change, you know. And then I'd say the last thing, just kind of tapping into that is so many people today, just they call themselves Christians. They they go to church, they go through the motions, but they don't read the scriptures and they don't allow that to infiltrate their mind and their soul. And, and, and Come on, let preach, that baby. Then, preach. right. And then that, let that, you know, compel them essentially to worship the Lord, you know, and if we're in the word and we know his truths and we know, we know his goodness, we can't not worship him. Like, Amen. I dare you to try because you just can't, you know? So, yeah. but, but I, I've, I've stood next to people that I know very well that, you know, they're not, um, they're not communing with the Lord. So for them to raise their hands or get into the worship song or to cry or to whatever, like it's just not going to happen because there's a bridge, there's a bridge there that has been made through Christ, but they're not walking across it. You know, they're not there yet. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of my 10 cents. Um, Ooh, we get 10 cents from so, like, to not just two. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't start out with two. I go straight to 10. <laughs> and I love it. That's how you do everything yeah, in life, Mike. I, I know, I know Mike personally, and that guy is so involved in so many things and just gives a hundred percent to everything. So yeah, that makes sense that you would give ten cents and not two, man. We love you, brother. But man, what what great what what great uh, points? And yeah, by no means do I want to say I'm judging someone because they're not raising their hands or their arms are folded. Look, at, we all worship in different ways. I think my point was to. Luther's wife, where she was saying specifically, you have this within the reformed community where, like Harrison said, the frozen chosen, uh, where it's like, we're stodgy, we're just all head knowledge, uh, we don't let our emotions rule at all, we don't show any emotions, we kind of, you know, we're all up here in our heads. And, and like I was saying, I just think that's the pendulum swinging on the other side when you're kind of, you know, characterizing a, a certain type of Christianity. 
by no means am I standing in church looking around going, oh, who isn't raising their hands? They're not really worshiping. They don't know. You know, by, by no means was I yeah, applying no, I, that. Yeah. And I didn't get that. I think just, I think it's a struggle probably of every worship leader. Um, and I, listen, I am not musically inclined at all, so I can't relate, but I can only speak from my conversations with, with many of my friends that do lead worship. And, you know, it's that constant battle of, you know, am I, am I helper, helping usher the congregation, you know, um, and usher the Holy Spirit together, right? Like that's kind of maybe just yeah. a broad stroke goal, but you know, and if you got people standing there just staring back at you, which I've been that person. I mean, sometimes it takes me two songs to stop thinking about how hungry I am, you know, and <laughs> right. it's horrible, but it's the truth. Yeah. The truth. yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we, we had Rick uh, flood on who's a local worship leader. And he even said that he goes, look at when I'm preparing songs, I have to think of the congregation. Like I've got blue collar workers. I've got uh, wives that stay home. I've got guys that own businesses. I've got all these different people in, and I really want to make sure that I can try to include as many of those people in worship through the songs I'm choosing, through what the Lord leads, all those things. So yeah, I don't want to simplify it down and like try to put blame on a, on a certain uh, style of worship or a certain worship leader, because I've been in that situation. I've led worship before and no response. I mean, nothing. They're looking at me like I'm from Mars and okay, that that's fine. I, I know I, I worship the way I worship and, and the way I felt the Lord led me to worship that day. Uh Hopefully seeds were planted or, or whatever euphemism you want to use. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not putting it on, you know, we have to realize that to lead people into worship is, is a very sacred calling. And I've always said that. Um, I would say it's right on the same par with eldership, uh, your deacons, and and even the shepherd of the church, because that is a sacred thing that we do when we come before the throne and bless his name. And I think back to Jason's point, uh, we would like to see you know, for a lack of a better term, a revival in that type of thinking of understanding the sacred thing that we do when we come together and corporately worship. But wow, that hour flew by, guys. Amen. Yeah. We didn't even get yeah, to James Coates. Right. Next week. Next week. But hey, guys, uh, yeah, I'll wrap it up here <laughs> since we're at the one hour mark. I appreciate everyone who j jumped in. Um, like I said, this does get recorded. We will throw it up on Dead Men Walking uh, uh, podcast anywhere you get your pods. Obviously, DMW podcast.com as well. It'll be there. Um, I do like to put just first names for contributors. Uh, so your guys's first names will show up. I'm not going to blast you on the internet where thousands of people are clicking and can look you up on Facebook and then message you and say, Hey, I didn't like what you said on that one clubhouse series. So, but I do like to just give credit where credit's due that we had a couple different contributors. I think that also adds to the fact of people like to hear multiple people talking about these issues. And I think that's one of the reasons why this, this, uh, you know, for us, why it's been a more popular series of having brothers from across the world, jumping in, talking about these things. And even when Luther gets in here, our classic Arminian, we love when he's in here too. And, uh, <laughs> We got some uh, we got some direct messages on that too, which I'll share with you, Jason. But um, guys, I'm gonna jump off of here. I appreciate all of you. Wait. I think it was a great conversation, Jason, Josh, Stephen, Mike. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next week at 9 p.m. Take care, guys. Beep. Thanks for hosting, guys. Yeah, bro. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.
Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.